All right, so you're going to introduce the original, which has, I don't think has any weird names this time. <laughs> hey, I was going to use that as a joke. <laughs> Beat you to it. Yeah. You can remake that then if you want. <laughs> I sure will. Hello, and welcome to the Original Remake Podcast, where we discuss and compare an original film and its remake. Hello, and welcome to the Original Remake Podcast, where we discuss and compare an original film and its remake. Ultimately, we seek answers to three questions. Does the remake do justice to the original? And if you just watch the remake, do you get a good sense of why the original was successful or not successful and thus remade? But most of all, which movie to watch, the original or the remake? Hi, how can I help you today? Hi, I can't seem to leave a wink for someone. Okay, uh, I'm looking at your profile. You left a lot of this stuff blank. Well, I haven't really been anywhere noteworthy or mentionable. Have you have you done anything noteworthy, mentionable? We have ahead of us the privilege of publishing the very last issue of Life magazine. Jumping up and down the floor. And for the final issue, we just received negative 25 from Sean O'Connell for the cover. There's 25. It's not there. I know. Look what I found! What is that? Travel journal dad gave me. The sun was an okay guy. Hey. They had a hey. How was your weekend? Awesome weekend. The ice, Jace. She moves like a woman. I'd like to climb your hair. Oh, wow. What is it you call it when he goes into one of his little places? Oh, zoned out. You do that now and then. What's the matter? I lost a picture. I like mysteries. You should go. Crack the case. You were Sean's partner. He finishes work. Okay, so I guess we'll just jump in. Um, today we're going to discuss and compare The Secret Life of Walter Mitty the uh, 1947 version is actually loosely based on a, uh, a short story of the same name. Uh, this one is directed by Norman McLeod. Mac- oh, good God. Uh, it's an American movie, and I still, <laughs> yeah, I still can't freaking say it right. Okay, um, and it stars Danny Kaye as uh, Walter Mitty, Virginia Mayo as Rosalind Van Horn, and Anne Rutherford. Rutherford? as Gertrude Griswold, who's his uh, fiance, And maybe we'll throw in uh, Gordon Jones as Tubby Wadsworth. you got to include st- Tubby Wadsworth. I, st- I still don't know who he is, but I like his name. I do too. So. Very yeah. much so. His yeah. parents kind of screwed him there. Tubby Wadsworth. It's not not going to be the cool kid in school, I don't think. No, not at all. I mean, hey, Tubby. <laughs> or Wadsworth, for that matter. Yeah. Um, <laughs> exactly. So we have... We don't have... I don't think any funny names in particular with the 2013 version directed by Ben Stiller. Uh, He also stars as Walter Mitty in this version, uh, and he is pining over Kristen Wiig's character of Cheryl Melhoff, who is a co-worker at 
the uh, Life magazine, which is shutting down in this film. His sister is played by Catherine Hahn, and his mother, uh, this is painful to admit, she's a very famous actress, but I still had to scroll down on IMDb to find her name. Shirley MacLaine plays a very important role here, um, because as we see in the film, he uh, this version of Walter Mitty uh, sort of gave up a, a possibly more interesting life, uh, taking on more family responsibilities and has a rather routine job where he gets to live vicariously through uh, a photographer's adventures um, by processing the negatives. And that photographer here is played by Sean Penn in a very brief role, but uh, very will be very important in the film. So I don't think there's a, yeah, not a Tubby Wadsworth in here, unfortunately. Uh, no, no, not at all. Uh, the the original I, I didn't really get to to mention, but it's it's actually kind of different from from the remake. There, the, the 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 remake took the concept of the of the original movie, but the original movie, um, uh, I was about to call him Danny, but Walter, he is a, a proofreader at Pierce uh, Publishing, and he spends a lot of his time just zoning out and uh, daydreaming. And uh, a lot of his daydreams, they kind of look like stage plays, really. They, um, the, the fantasies are kind of silly, uh, in, in, in my opinion. But um, he eventually meets this, uh, this Virginia Mayo. Again, she plays uh, Rosalind and kind of gets caught up in, like, would you call it a conspiracy? Or is it just some kind of... Some it is, yeah, some sort of uh, you know uh, Nazi. Nazi conspiracy, some sort of uh, chase for some sort of something of value with uh, uh, it fits in well with what he he does because as you mentioned, he's a proofreader for basically like adventure stories, sort of pulpy uh, things where you know spies are going at spies and there's like artifacts to search for. So yeah, his uh, it's it's similar to. Um, the 2013 one, except it's a little bit more, uh, I would say high concept in that way. And then an adventure story sort of falls into to his lap. Whereas, uh, you could argue in the 2013 version, you know, he still is doing his job. He goes to a lot of insane sort of, uh, locales as far as getting near volcano and climbing mountains and being out at sea, but there are no Nazis around. There's no stabbings going on in this 2013 version. Uh, but the the whole Nazi daydreaming thing, um, it's funny because he's like a, he's in some kind of like uh, I guess like a fighter plane or something, and he's chasing an actual Nazi. And I was wondering why he had all these swastikas on the side of his side of his plane. And then we see him um, shoot down one of the planes, and then adds like another swastika to his plane. I just thought it was kind of a, a weird, um, I don't know, like a notch to add to your plane as a swastika like somebody sees that i would think that's a nazi as opposed to the uh you know the nazi kills you have under your belt so you prefer the glorious bastards approach where they they put the swastika on the nazi himself yeah yeah there you go i mean it'd be hard to do uh in midair but if you're skilled maybe not if you're talented (laughs) walter mitty i mean these are his fantasies so go all out yeah, I just I thought that was a weird thing to to do to add the swastika to your own plane. 
you know, for taking down these guys. Let's talk a little bit about the uh, the fantasies because I think you know clearly with the more modern one from 2013, uh, they're quite a bit more expensive. You mentioned that the 1947 version looks like stage plays because it's you know it's a very stagey film, and you're not going to see Danny Kaye jump through a window and run out an exploding building or uh, have uh, a fight with a shark, although that one, not so much fantasy, even though at the time Walter Mitty believes it to be a fantasy. Um, do you think it's something that, you know, watching the two together, like you, you host another show, I don't know if you've ever mentioned it on this podcast before, uh, Hydrate Level 4, which you can find which at... Which you can find at Falling Films. <laughs> <laughs> We're both Sorry. rushing to pimp your show there. Also on Twitter yeah. at HLF Podcast. But you have a younger son. Uh, you know, this is one of those things that is sort of the purpose of original remake where, you know, they both are movies about daydreamers. And I think there is sort of a subtle difference in the characters. But as far as the daydreaming goes and the fantasies, do you think like a newer generation would have any interest in the 1947 version of that? Or would, they, would it just be better served to show them the, the stiller version with the the more spectacle yeah, I, I think just show them the uh, the remake, the uh, original. I uh, I liked it, you know, and I haven't seen either movie, so I, I haven't seen the remake when it came out in twenty thirteen. Um, but watching the the original, I I was kind of thrown off by some of his musical numbers, you know, the um, especially the one where it's funny because after he sh- you know he uh, apparently he's some kind of war hero and he's inside this bar with all these other uh, troops and soldiers and sailors, all, all kinds of guys. And uh, one guy's like, oh, I love it when he does this, uh, that, that, that impression. And then he takes this coat and then like um, kind of impersonates this, this doctor. I, I didn't quite understand where they were going with it, but I'm like, that's a pretty damn long impersonation of somebody, you know. Now comes the first movement. Presto vivace, argumento molto, contabile molto, chocolo molto. And we have the first team, which is naturally played on the first trip. This represents a young girl which is living with her wicked guardian who is a French horn. Poro, poro, poro. Now this young girl. Who is a beautiful girl? And her wicked guardian. Live all alone on a farm, and all she has for company are a hen. And a dog. And an nanny goat. I think I lived and died in between, and I was reborn by the time that sequence was over. Like I, I was like, Brittany went, my fiance went to the bathroom and was like, you know, brushing her teeth and everything. And like, she had been halfway paying attention and she came back out and she's like, he's still doing this. Like, what is he doing? Uh, Apparently it was a very popular bit that Eddie K had, which I'm, I'm guessing he was sort of like a, it seems like he was sort of a Jim Carrey like sort of presence. Like he had these sort of, uh, you know, he could really manipulate his face and do these sort of, you know, wild mannerisms. And he had this, uh, manner of impersonating music. Uh, I don't know if this is early beatboxing that he's, he's doing, but it, to me it was really obnoxious and annoying. And I wanted to turn the movie off right then and there. Thank God Ben Stiller did not carry that, you know, little trait of the character over. Uh, I'm looking at Wikipedia now and it's called patter songs. 
uh, and it was one of his trademarks um, <laughs> to do this. So on stage and I guess in film. They they could have done without, and it's so funny that you just mentioned that uh, Brittany was uh, brushing her teeth because my wife was brushing her teeth when I had this on as well, and um, and then she went from that, and then she was like sitting on the floor on her phone, and she's like, "What are you watching? Like, <laughs> is it a, a musical?" I go, "You know, it's not, but this I don't know what what's going on in the scene right now, but it's really long." Well, it's a fantasy within a fantasy, right? Because in, yeah. in that sequence, he's the uh, the fighter pilot, and uh, apparently he's also some sort of local comedian to these guys. So they're like, you know, begging him to do this bit, which then overtakes it. Um, I would say not only is it a matter of the fantasies looking better in the updated Walter Mitty, but that just seems like something. You know, as I said, I don't know what patter songs are. I had to look them up just now on Wikipedia. I don't think that plays, and I also don't really like this sort of Inception fantasy character within a fantasy character that he does here. Like, the newer one, I think the the fantasies and the daydreaming, it's much more brief. Like, it just seems like a little jolt of activity. And one thing I read in the IMDb trivia is that, uh, and I didn't, like, follow up on this after I had read it, but it mentions that in the 2013 version, like, his... Um, his daydreams, they're actually, they kind of foreshadow what's going to happen later on. You know, like the first time we actually see him do that is when uh, he's like, uh, I guess, like like a Latin mountain climber or something. And then obviously later on, he, he's actually out, you know, climbing, looking for uh, Sean O'Connell. Well, yeah, and you could even say like the first explosion, uh, he's going to deal with that with the volcano as far as getting out just in time. Uh, I would say that the one thing that comes closest to that patter song sequence in the 47 version is this riff on Benjamin Button. Can I tell you something? Anything. I have that Benjamin Buttons thing where you get old but smaller or whatever and become a gradual old baby or something. I didn't see the movie, so I don't really know how it works, but I have it. We can still build a life together. Cool. I like your snappy little suit. I bought it at a doll store. Oh, cool. My little heart is no bigger than a quarter. But it's as full as Port Knox. You're the bravest man I've ever known. I love you, baby. Not like baby, like because you looked like a little weird baby, man. I get it. Thank you for such a wonderful life. <laughs> Just nestle in here and die. <sighs> Goodbye, Walter. Which, Goodbye, Walter. Right. Even in 2013, you know, doesn't seem that topical. I don't think Benjamin Button is this huge sort of touchstone in our, our culture, that, that Brad Pitt film. I also felt like that was the closest it got to some of Ben Stiller's kind of stupid early comedy persona. And I felt yeah. that was the one that was totally the most off because you know most of his daydreams are about... You know, living an exciting life, and in this one, he daydreams about 
being a character that um, ages in a weird way, like doesn't seem exactly exciting. So I, I, I remember when I watched this in theaters that I saw that and I was like, oh, I'm going to hate this movie. Like this is the direction it's going. But it's funny because once it does that one, I think it starts pulling back a little bit from the daydreaming at that point. Yeah, it, it does. The um, that particular scene, I, I wonder if it's a, a, a nod to the uh, the original kind of um, having like a source material that it's based on. You know, as mm-hmm. as does Benjamin Benjamin Button, but having uh, uh, Kristen Wiig in this love interest role, it made me think that it was just a SNL skit. You know, with Ben Stiller as a as a guest host. That's so, so it did take me out a little bit, but I thought it was funny leading up to it, you know, where he's just, you know, he talks about like, um, oh, I have this Benjamin Button thing, but I've never seen the movie, so I'm not exactly sure how that goes. <laughs> right. So I thought that was funny, but then when they actually showed us him as like a like a little baby, in that like I was just kind of like, okay, this this you know I I could have done without, but um, everything else I thought was fine, like um. This was actually a very good movie. Um, I, I enjoyed the remake so much that you know I wouldn't even mind reviewing it for my own show, uh, Hydrate Level Four. You can find it at FollowingFilms dot com. We're also on <laughs> iTunes and Stitcher. Um, can I just point out we yeah. pimp we pimp our other shows so much on original me- remake, but I'm sure our other shows are much more popular than this one. So it's funny that we we take the time to use <laughs> that this could be as our advertising. Yeah. <laughs> Should be the other way around, right? Right. <laughs> Bring more people to the original remake. You, I, you know, I, I need to do that a little bit better. Um, but no, but but I, I do mention original remake at the end of Hydrate Level Four. But no, uh, yeah, the the remake movie it was really good. It was really different. I has is this this wasn't Ben Stiller's like uh, directorial debut, was it? No, I think he had been doing stuff. I think you know he did Reality Bites. I think in '94. Oh, okay. Um, I haven't seen that. I also think that he directed the Cable Guy, you know, that sort of oh, much-derided right. Jim Carrey film, which I actually really liked from the '90s. That was one of my sort of childhood favorites. So I, I've actually never seen that in its entirety, but um, I, I think I, I don't. I, didn't I mention to you during the uh, Heartbreak Kid episode that I've, I've never really been a big fan of Ben Stiller? Yeah, I think so. So yeah. you're saying more as a as an actor, more as a than a director. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, definitely more as a, as an actor. I'm not a huge fan of him, but if he did more stuff like this, this, this is this is the Ben Stiller that I do like, you know. And he doesn't have a lot of roles like this, unfortunately. And I don't like his obnoxious, goofy, over the top characters, you know. And I did read up uh, some of the people that were, um, that were also kind of up. I don't know if they were really up for the role, but at least in consideration of like, you, you, you know, you mentioned like uh Danny Kaye was kind of like the Jim Carrey of that right. time. So what I, I saw the Jim Carrey was also kind of attached and that kind of, you know, reminded me of like uh maybe like a Truman show slash like um, uh, the majestic, you know, like I, I could kind of see it. Uh, I, I think that, that would have been a good one. I saw Will Ferrell. I, I don't know. Will Ferrell, you know, I mean, I know he did like stranger than fiction, but I, I think um, Ben Stiller was like perfect in this movie. I I really enjoyed him and just the direction. I I don't know if Ben Stiller had help in directing this film, but I thought it was really really good. Well, uh, clearly, as you mentioned, it's been a a story that has been attempted many times. Uh, I think with the Jim Carrey version, uh, there was Ron Howard and Steven Spielberg, uh, right, uh, separate times attached to it with him. Uh, which is interesting because also I think Spielberg and Jim Carrey were attached to Meet the Parents originally 
and didn't mm. do it. And then that became one of Ben Stiller's biggest comedy hits. Uh, I think Stiller just has a great sensibility for it. Like, you know, we're talking about all the different actors, comedic actors that were attached to it. It feels, even though I don't know much about Eddie Kay that, or Danny Kay, that, uh, they really shape the story to fit him. And I think with this updated version of Walter Mitty, they didn't really shape it to fit Ben Stiller's persona necessarily. Like, as you mentioned, Jim Carrey probably could have done this as well with the same type of tone with that, that sort of majestic Truman show, almost Capra esque type type comedy. Mm -hmm. Uh, What I also found really strange was that the 1947 version feels much more of our of our time as far as how Mitty like thinks of himself because all of his fantasies seem to be about hoping that people will pay more attention to him like his fantasies are about being like the hero and the center of attention even that one sequence we keep going back to that horrible sequence where he's it's not good enough that he's a successful like fighter pilot and war hero he also has to be the funniest guy in the room and everybody has to be staring at him at all times um you compare that to the stiller version of the character and you know right before that Benjamin Button sequence he's teaching Kristen Wiig's son how to do some skateboarding tricks. Mm-hmm. That was pretty funny. And what I loved about sequence is you know it's a comedic beat where first off the way he's dressed and sort of he's you know he's a very unassuming sort of quiet man you don't expect him to have those sort of skills and so he's impressing this kid by being able to teach him these tricks. But also, it keeps cutting back to Kristen Wiig, who's on the phone. And every time she turns around, he's just kind of standing on the skateboard or basically just talking to him. She misses every sort of cool little trick he does. Mm-hmm. But yet, she's still attracted to him. Like, And so what I like about the 2013 version is it glorifies sort of like the the average sort of working man, like the, the nice guy in a way, that you don't have to be some superhero to get the girl or to have like a valid existence. Like, you know, they keep going back to how he gave up on his dreams to stand up for his family. Like he, you know, cut guys haircut and got a job at Papa John's and ended up, you know, in the, uh, at working for this great magazine, this great institution, but he's not the one going out on adventures. And I love that, you know, she's attracted to him just because he has a good rapport with her kid. Like he's a nice guy. Like he's, mm-hmm. And Sean Penn, this this guy who has almost like this Indiana Jones like attitude and lifestyle, also respects Walter for he sees him as his partner, like bringing his vision to life. I don't think the Danny Kaye version does that. It's it's all to me. It seemed kind of mean spirited. Like he's going to show his family like who are horrible people, like that he's awesome, and they just never realized it. Whereas in the 2013 version, he has a very loving family who respects what they, what he's done for them. Like he's, you know, helped support them. And he's got a great relationship with his mother who, who thinks she already thinks he's like a hero. You know, she, everything, she saves everything about him. Like, mm-hmm. and I, yeah. And I felt like the, it's weird that the 1947 version feels much more of the Instagram, Twitter, Facebook generation where it's like wanting to take a selfie and like everyone pay attention to me. Whereas the 2013 version, people are already paying attention to you, but not for the reasons that, Walter thinks like they, they respect him just for being a decent guy. And so I, I really adore the 2013 version. And I was, 
<laughs> I was almost offended by the 1947 version. Like I hated this version of Walter Mitty. Like I, I didn't want anyone to pay attention to him because I think he's stupid and selfish and uh, self-involved. I don't, I don't know. It was two very different interpretations. I think of the character. You didn't think he had a nice face like Rosalind did? No, not at all. <laughs> he had a very punchable he, face. He, he had a big nose too. <laughs> like uh, it was, it was almost like a. Like it could have been fake or something. I don't know. It was it was pretty big and kind of uh, stood out. Now, um, you you mentioned the the uh, Sean Penn who plays Sean O'Connell, his character. There's one thing that kind of bothered me, and I don't know if it's something that I missed. But in the movie, we learned that they've never met, right? Right. And do we know if Sean O'Connell knows what Walter looks like? Only I assume because he goes to. Is it his mother? Okay, because that's I think just, that's it. Yeah, because I, I know that he took that picture, and that's that uh, you know spoiler alert. That's that's that uh, number twenty five uh, picture that he was looking for. Because when uh, when Walter shows up, it's funny because he's on the phone with uh, who is it? Todd, Todd you know, yeah. played by Patton yeah, by, uh, yeah, yeah. I I, I like that. Um, you know, their phone calls together is pretty funny, but. Walter's on the phone. Then all of a sudden, you know, Sean O'Connell's like, "Hey, do, do you mind?" <laughs> you know, he's just on the phone. And so I'm like, "Wait, so they don't recognize each other?" Well, clearly Walter knows that's Sean O'Connell, but Sean O'Connell didn't seem like he knew him. But then later on, we find out that a picture of Walter was taken at Life. You know, I'm just like, "Wait, okay." So I think it's I think it's what Pat knows. Walt says it's the uh, the guy who works for the the online dating service that when he right. comes to help him out in L.A. when you know, poor Walter's uh, suspected of being a terrorist of some sort. Um, you know, like a, well, we we saw that in a Heartbreak Kid. Yeah, as well. Hey, except for uh, it wasn't a terrorist; it was just a, a immigrant, <laughs> right? Um, that he he has a line. Pat Oswalt's character is like, "You just don't look like how I expected." And he's like, "You know, you were just a piece of paper." And I think it goes to the Sean Penn character as well that he expects this version of Mitty to be, you know, diligently focused on his craft and his job in front of that, that building, the time life building, but to see him, you know, with a snow covered, you know, face with a full beard, uh, you know, and this, this climbing gear right in front of him on this, this mountain in Afghanistan, the Himalayas, I think he's caught off guard. And I think it's like, we're, we're meant to see that, you know, Walter, you know, even the people who knew him didn't know really what he was capable of. And, you know, he's, he surprises other, he surprises himself. So that, that's how I read that scene that he was just like, that's okay. the last person in the world he would expect to be there. So, uh, with the, the original, you didn't really care for his arc where he's no. just kind of, <laughs> no, no. At, at the end, you know, he, he punches tubby, no. um, <laughs> it, it ends up with Rosalind and, and tells his mom, his, you know, his, uh, what is she even thinking? Like, she doesn't even, he's kind of a, a mama's boy, um, you know, she's always telling him to write down notes, you know, thinking that he's just not going to remember anything because he always zones out. But, um, yeah, I uh, I liked the movie, but I just like the remake better. Yeah, as I said, I think the original is somewhat, you know, mean spirited. Like it's you're it's like the it's it's like this teenage angst to it where it's like, you know, one day I'll show everybody how cool I am and how stupid they are. And I'll, I'll punch this guy out and yeah, I'll put, you know, my family in their place. And it's rare to see that sort of character growth. I think where throughout the film, 
you know, the family and friends, even even this girl that he has a crush on, Cheryl, played by Kristen Wiig, for the most part are supportive. It's not like they have some big change in the way, just because he goes, goes out and does cool things. They don't suddenly want to hang out with him. Like they, you know, this is something that's more about personal growth that I think that he has to sort of change the perception of himself, of how he views himself, not how others do. And I didn't get that at all from the original. And I also, <laughs> I read that, you know, they, there was a lot of back and forth because at the time, you know, the original short story uh, writer uh, was, was, you know, contacted to work on the film. And so they, they, they had James Thurber sort of putting his, his input into it, his insight, and then they would reject it. And apparently he was not a fan of the original uh, because it deviated too far from his story, which to be fair, so does the Stiller version. But I also think the yeah. Stiller version, even though, because it's set in modern times, there's a lot of differences. Um, I think it gets to the, the heart of the story more so than the, the, the K version. Well, James Thurber, uh, I, I read, even offered the director, like, I don't know if it was the director, but offered somebody $10,000 to not make the movie <laughs> just because he was unhappy yeah. with, you know, with the direction of it. Right. Um, yeah, the back to like uh, Stiller and Wig, you, you know, like what you're saying about the relationship. Yeah, I really earned, uh, I, I really enjoyed it because, like, at the end, you know, the when they hold hands you know as they're walking away in the sunset like i felt like it was earned like you know we we saw all of those moments together and it was very sweet uh though i don't want to even call this a problem or even an issue but it was really tropey how um you know stiller goes to her and then he's like oh you know um you know your your husband was back and she's like no no he was over fixing the fridge we're not back together that kind of thing you know that that uh um, where originally he went to the house to go deliver the skateboard and finds the the husband there, and he he assumes mm-hmm. that you know they got back together. So I've seen that in another movie too, playing out like the exact same way. So I thought that was a little tropey, but uh, yeah, there's the I, usual I, some sort of miscommunication that keeps yeah, these people apart who are really right. into each other. The only thing I will defend it on is I felt like the very premise of him daydreaming set that up really well because mm-hmm. you know, during that that sequence I really dislike the Benjamin button thing. Um, she says, you know, sorry, I was boring you. Cause I was talking about my broken refrigerator. And so if he had not been daydreaming, he might have heard something like, I'm gonna have to get somebody over here to fix this. Or, you know, I might have to contact my ex-husband to come over here. We don't know because he's often fancy land. And so I felt like that speaks to what the, the film's trying to get at is that he needs to, he needs to know himself better. He needs to stop going off into fancy world because if he paid attention, he wouldn't jump to those conclusions that, you know, he's runner up or he would, he would read the signs better if he was just, if he just stayed in the moment, which is also what Sean Penn says with that, uh, the ghost cat, you know, sometimes he just likes to stay in the moment for as long as possible. When are you going to take it? Sometimes I don't. If I like a moment, I mean me, personally, I don't like to have the distraction of the camera. I just want to stay in it. Stay in it? Yeah, right there. Right here. 
Yeah, and that's why I feel the the remake is definitely much stronger because you know they 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 use that you know for for the story. Uh, another example is when he talks to his mom, and he's like, "Well, why why didn't you tell me that?" She goes, "I did, but you know, you were zoning out, <laughs> right? You know about about um, was it about Sean O'Connell being yeah. there or something yeah. else, or it was just another clue, right? Yeah. Um, so there there we go. So I I like that. You know, they 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 took the concept of this. Uh, this uh, older movie and just, you know, I don't know, man. They just flipped it on his head and just made it theirs. And uh, it's just great, man. I, I, I really enjoyed this movie. I, I'd say I love it. Um, it was my, I one of my favorites of 2013. It would have been my top ten list for sure. Yeah, I um, I was – okay, so when, when that movie was coming out, I first off, I was like, ah, oh, Ben Stiller, no thanks, right? Because, again, just not a big fan of his. And then I was like – Rated PG. I was like, oh, more, <laughs> more no thanks. But I think Majestic was also PG, and I, I really enjoyed Majestic. Mm-hmm. Um, so those were a couple things that that deterred me from watching the remake. But also, I think in the trailer, I saw him as that that Latin mountain climber. I was just like, oh, that looks terrible. I was like, I don't want to see that at all. So, so I, I had no idea what the movie was about. So I, I'm glad that we were able to watch this because. Um, I don't have plans to review this for um, Hydrate Level 4, but if we, you know, I, I, I just watched it. So if we did, I would, I'd give this movie like a four and a half, you know, the remake. I really enjoyed it that much. I'd say five, five stars. Four and a half would only be uh, dependent on how much that Benjamin Button scene bothers me, I guess, because <laughs> I think it's the one misstep. Uh, but that, everything that, else that I love could be that. that. Yeah. And speaking um, of Hydrate Level 4, When's, yeah. When is my invitation to review The Cable Guy going to come out? Because that, that's one of my childhood favorites, and that's one that gets a lot of grief online. I'd love to talk about that for an hour. Well, there you go. You know, you have an open invita- invitation, Mike. You know, so uh, anytime you want to do something like that, I am happy to have you. So um, there we go. The cable Guy coming up soon sometime. <laughs> on another another podcast. <laughs> on, on another podcast, which you can find at followingfilms.com. So as long as, long as you bookmark that. I really enjoyed this movie. It's it's a really good movie, and I think why I'm not calling it a five is because I will, um, I would like to watch this uh, again and again. But it's it it's hard to be in a mood where I'm like, you know, I want to watch that Walter Mitty movie again. You know, it's it's because it's it is a drama. I don't find it slow. It's well paced, but it's you know, it's a little long. It's close to two hours. I mean, so is the original, but felt like longer. Felt like that one musical sequence was two hours. Oh, good God, you're right. Don't don't remind me. And, and please don't put that on at like the end of this episode. I think I'm gonna put it on right as soon as we're talking about it because I I feel like people who probably haven't seen the 47 version, which is not widely available at all. I don't think it's on any streaming services. Uh, I found it like chopped up, like on uh, I think Daily Motion, like had a copy of it. Like no, I I found it on I. Fu- I forgot what site I found it on, but I found the entire movie, all 150 of it. I mean, maybe I did myself a service and skipped a few of those parts because I was like, oh, (laughs) jeez. But no, I I think that they have to understand just, you know, one of the things we did with our new intro is talking about, you know, the the time that the film comes out. And, like, I tried to do my best to understand, like, okay, that would be like, you know, maybe, you know, 50 years from now, since we're releasing this the week of Zoolander, people are going to think what in the hell was so funny about that first Zoolander? Why did it ever earn a sequel? And maybe even now people are thinking that since it, it didn't do too well, uh, just I am. 15 years later. Um, 
but yeah, watching the original, some of the, the comedic beats, uh, I don't think they age well. And, uh, I would say that the newer one, other than the Benjamin Button beat has a timeless quality to it. You know, it is about, you know, dreamers and it's about, uh, you know, valuing the, the life that you, you lead, you know, finding the sort of the, the adventure and the, the day to day, you know, it's, I mean, this Walter Mitty, that's why I love that his friends and family are not like just constantly berating him because he has a pretty cool, he has a cool job. I mean, it's a job that's mm-hmm. ending and that's something we hadn't really talked about was I also love uh, that for as timeless as it is, it's very much about, you know, the world we live in now, as far as, you know, these great institutions going away for something to be quicker, faster, to be online. Like you see it with the, um, God, what is that character? Adam Scott, who's playing yeah. just this, I mean, he is playing the typical like asshole, almost like the Superman version of like every asshole quality you can have. And he just doesn't get it because he, he's, he's the opposite of Mitty and that he's almost too much in the moment. Like he's just constantly like, where's this picture now? What am I doing here? Like he's almost got ADD in that way that it's like, he can barely focus for more than like seven seconds on something. I I do. I do really enjoy the scene where, okay, so the, the remake, they, they show us the model for, for life uh, magazine throughout the movie, you know, on many occasions. And then at the end, Walter asks him, like, do you, do you even know what the motto is? He's like, I'm loving it. Like, I, I <laughs> yeah. thought that was pretty good. I don't, I don't know if that was ad-libbed, but it's pretty funny. You know, well, like, I, mean, I think that's McDonald's. It, it clearly shows a person that has zero taste or, like, doesn't detach from, yeah. doesn't place any value in, in anything and what the, these people were, like, were trying to do. And, you know, eventually technology caught up with them and it, it has to go away. But, um yeah, I don't. I don't think the original has any sort of sweeping statements there, other than, you know, you get to punch punch a dude out and tell your mom to get off your back. I, I don't know. Like, I, I don't. I don't think there's anything. That, it's funny for this to be considered a classic film. I, I have no idea what people are still seeing in it. I don't know what people saw in it then, other than I guess they were big uh, Danny, Danny K fans. fans. Yeah, you know, and uh, uh, Virginia. No, yeah, Virginia Mayo. She's pretty, but I I didn't really like her character. You know, I'm, I was trying to figure out is she supposed to be this um, this leading lady that that does spy stuff? I, I'm not exactly sure. You know, and I couldn't figure out. If she was just, I didn't get a good read on her character, and I, I didn't really care for it. But you know, I on the flip side, I, I really like Kristen Wiig's character. You know, she was a, a very, um, you know, toned down Kristen Wiig. You know, so it was nice to kind of see her in this role, just because I thought she was going to be silly, and I'm glad that we didn't get that. I'll tell you the moment that I really fell for her and understood. You know, Walter's sort of crush on the Cheryl character is, uh, I think he's on his way, maybe to his, to, you know, his desk or something to look something up, the ship that he's trying to find the photographer on, like that, that he's got this negative that has a ship's name. And, uh, she said, Oh, did you try Googling it? He's like, no, he was like, I was on my way to, which is funny now because you just, you you just think like, what do you mean on your way to Google something? Just pull out your phone and start doing it. And that's immediately what she does. She just pulls out her phone. But in that instance, like she gets a text from her son and instead of, you know, just Googling that, she invites him to like share like a real moment. She's like, oh, do you want to come to the park? Yeah, well, we can continue this conversation like in person. Like she doesn't just run off and say, I'll text you the information here in a second or anything. Like they go out to the park to be with her son. And I thought it was a really subtle way to sort of 
uh, jab at sort of the way our culture has gone as far as putting this disconnect between people through technology and devices. Does anybody ever say that their phone is buffering? I don't think so. I only say buffering when it comes to video content. Yeah, video. yeah, Netflix. Uh, yeah. Netflix is buffering. Yeah. So you know what I'm talking about, though, right? right. Yeah, she, she does say that. Yeah. mentioned it twice. Yeah. I'm just like, uh, your phone loads. I, I don't think your phone buffers. But um, is there a good word for that? Uh, other than saying this is this piece of crap is being slow. I don't know what <laughs> word I would use at that moment. As, this I'd Wi-Fi my, sucks. Uh, the page is loading right now. Yeah, <laughs> Wi-Fi sucks. Page is loading. Uh, it's thinking right now. The thing is spinning in circles. Um, is that a clue that they're meant to be together? That she's not really that into you know these future gadgets? That she she likes the old school. She likes the photo negatives and all the stuff that Walter's into. It could be. It could be. You know, I, I do like how the movie doesn't really um, – it's really not dated either. You say it's a timeless thing, and I know it's only been a few years. But aside from some of the computers, it you're right. You can't really place this at uh, like in, in any year. No, because, I mean, he, he goes off, and other than the phone calls he has with the Patton Oswalt character. Todd, yeah. <laughs> it's not like, you know, any I, of I didn't those... know it was him. Uh, did oh, you, really? Did you know it was Patton Oswalt? Yeah, I, I had no idea well, until uh, until I saw him. Yeah, I, I caught on. I can't remember what point, but I remember when I first watched it, I thought maybe it was Josh Gad at first. Okay. Um, I was like, which comedian is this? I know it was a comedian that had a lot of supporting roles, but I couldn't quite place it at first. But, you know, other than those phone calls, you know, he doesn't. He's not using gadgets really for you know. He's basically putting you know boots on the ground. He's basically mm-hmm. going places to to figure out these clues and talking to people. So yeah, I really like that about it. I think that helps, and I think it'll help Agent. Plus, I, I think it's just really good. It's just a really good movie. There's a couple things that the the remake did that made me think of the original. So I don't know if these were nods, but clearly the the piano, mm-hmm. right? His right. mom's piano. That was one. Now, did you catch that both movies used the the term oblong? Do you, can you define what oblong is? I don't know what that is. Is that like shape. a like a shape? Yeah. Okay. So uh, in the original, um, and see, and I caught on to this because it's not a word that I it's commonly used around me. Like I don't hear people say that. Um, but like the, buffering, like buffering. <laughs> I, I, exactly. I don't know what buffering is. Um, it's uh, in the original when Walter goes to the police right after the guy was uh, shanked. In the cab, which I gotta say, I hated that clipping sound of the of the knife. I did too. Know, I was I like, just... did a silencer go off? I was like, did he get shot? <laughs> I didn't know what it was at first. Yeah, and and nobody sees this man standing in the middle of a um, this uh, store, this retail store, playing with a, a knife. <laughs> no, but anyway, he uh, Walter goes to the police station to say, hey, you know, uh, we got the cab outside, and you know that the body's in there, blah blah blah. Cops come outside, and he's trying to describe the um, the taxi driver. He's like, "Oh well, you know, I only saw him from behind. He's got a like oblong shaped head or something like that." And then later on, uh, Kristen Wiig's character Cheryl she uses that term to describe the the skateboard. Hmm, I didn't catch that. That that would have to be a reference to the original then. Yeah, because I, I just thought it's a unique word. Like I understand it's a shape, but I, again, I mean, do you hear it that often? Like buffering. No, no <laughs> you probably not. hear buffering a little bit more often i would imagine, yeah, when I'm cursing at Netflix or something, <laughs> yeah, so I mean, maybe we should uh bring bring that word back oblong, you know it's just uh they use it in forty seven and they didn't use it in the two thousand thirteen version. I just thought it was an interesting choice of word 
uh, to news. So the there was just some instances. Oblong podcast. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yes. All right. So I think we're pretty clearly in the camp of the 2013 version. And for me, this would be the only version I would really offer someone if they read the short story or just was just were interested in the uh, concept. I would. I don't have anything for the 47 version that I would want to pass along at all. Like I, I feel like the 2013 version does it better entirely. Yeah, the, the 47 again. Uh, I, I I'm going to stick with that. I I did like it. Um, I just didn't really care for the uh, Rosalind's character. The bad guys were all kind of silly, but what I liked was actually uh, Danny Kaye's physical comedy. Uh, I did like a lot of his funny things. Uh, the the two biggest chuckles I had was the two times that he screamed, you know, almost kind of like a like a Willem scream, um, where I think, what was the first time? The first time was when he was like in his office and he saw, was it a picture of a stabbing or something? And, and, and or, well, who's talking to his boss? Oh no, he had a pretty like audible scream and that made me laugh. And then la- later on he did it again. Uh, but the, the physical comedy was kind of funny, but I, I, I can't recommend this, but um, I definitely go with the remake. Uh, I, I would like to own the remake myself. It's not a surprise to you to say that I do. And Blu-ray, very nice quality. Highly yeah. recommend it. Yeah, yeah, I see you. Look, I, I thought you were possibly looking for a duplicate copy to, <laughs> to possibly send me. Uh, I might have a digital it, it, copy. I don't know if those codes still. I don't know if those codes expire or anything. But I never. Yeah, use they them. they expire after like two or three years. They they I don't they think started they out expire at all. They shouldn't. I mean, you, you purchased it, but what I, if you purchase it today? Why. I mean, if you purchase it, you know, three years down the road, why shouldn't you be able to have a code then for it? I think that's why they extended it because I remember when they first did that, it was like a year, and now it's like three years. So, but no, you're, you're right, absolutely right. I, I probably got a bunch that expired when they first started doing that too. Maybe that would increase our numbers if we start saying we're going to hand out codes, but then they'll probably all be expired, so it won't matter. But <laughs> we'll get those subscribers. Yeah. Hey, we said we'd hand out codes. We didn't say they'd be good. <laughs> you have to figure that out for yourself. <laughs> All so right. So uh, I think, you know, normally we struggle with where you can find us to find uh, those digital codes. Um, but it is original remake, original remake pod. Yes. At gmail.com. Uh, yes. <laughs> Such confidence in these answers. <laughs> that, that is the email indeed. Yes. But as Peter and myself have mentioned, uh, you can find this show along with his show, Hydrate Level 4, and my show, War Machine vs. Warhorse, on followingfilms.com. There's some other great movie podcasts. You can also find us on Twitter, at Original Remake. And Peter, where can they find you personally on Original Remake? Uh, they can find me uh, at HLF Podcast on Twitter. And I'm at War Machine Horse. I don't know currently what we're going to be doing the next time you listen to us or don't listen to us if you're just swiping Marcus played or deleting, but we appreciate the download anyway. Um, just let us know if that's what you're doing. We'll just stop editing at this right now. <laughs> and uh, as uh, Mike, you mentioned on the last episode you did uh, with um, with Derek on Lady Killers, you did mention I finally submitted this show to Stitcher and iTunes, so we are now available Did you see, on those platforms. Uh, as of this recording, Stitcher's been down for like the last four days or something. I saw, I saw somebody mention <laughs> Did that. Did you crash Stitcher? I, uh, <laughs> I I think when I find... You know what? Our show has been in such high demand, Mike. <laughs> you know, People have been wanting 
this fucking show on these platforms. We've told them, hey, 10 episodes, you guys will get it. I don't know where we're at right now. 20? 20, yeah. Yep, well, there we go. So we just, uh, you had to wait a little bit longer. But once we put it up, that's when it crashed. Everyone's been waiting, Mike. Makes total sense. So, uh, (laughs) you know, hit that subscribe button and uh, check out followingfilms.com. Uh, we'll figure out what we're doing next week. We've, we've got some in mind, some interesting episodes, uh, but we'll try to tie it in. As we did with a very topical Zoolander 2 this week, uh, we'll be chasing those hashtags with something else uh, on Original Remake. So hopefully you'll be listening then. Hi. Hello, everyone. Hi. Uh, hello, Nuke. <laughs> Sorry, I'm a little nervous. Okay. This one goes out to Walter Mitty. He knows why. Ground control to Major Tom. Ground control to Major Tom. Take your protein pills and...